0: Hallo en welkom bij Friday Formula, een wekelijkse motorsport podcast, waar we deze week praten over de terugkeer van de Nederlandse Grand Prix. For those of you that don't speak Dutch, (laughs) that was our Netherlands correspondent Arnaud Boot saying hello and welcome to Friday Formula, a weekly motorsport podcast, where this week we're talking about the return of the Dutch Grand Prix. Thanks (laughs) Arnaud. That was brilliant. Yeah, it's quite. I thought. Going back to Holland for the first time in uh, 36 years or something, well, Friday Formula can push the boat out. <laughs> oh, that's good. Have you paid him? No. It sounded like he
1: did. He sounded like a proper like voice actor. It sounded like he had... I don't know. I enjoyed
0: that. Yeah. I think it's got a really nice intonation to it, and like that could easily be on an actual proper grown-up podcast. <laughs>
1: Maybe we have to like, launch a Dutch version of this podcast and he can present it for us.
0: <laughs> maybe, maybe. See if he's interested. <laughs> but so this is Friday Formula. I'm Owen Bellwood. And once again, I'm joined by Will Longman. Will, how, how are you doing this week?
1: Recovering from watching three hours of rainfall in another country. It wasn't the best Sunday, was it?
0: No, no. Uh, it went on and on, and on, and on, and ended up just being a, bit of a joke, really.
1: Yeah, I think, I mean, we're not going to dwell on it for too long, because there's not a lot to dwell on. No. But, like, it did highlight that there's a lot to be solved in Formula One in the rule books, and, you know, sometimes we sit there and, like, Martin Brundle will bring out article whatever from the rules, and Crofty will talk about article whatever, but the fact that they spent two hours, like, trying to decipher whether the race had started or not yeah and then like to start the two hour three hour clock on the race and then it gets to one hour and they go oh
0: we're just gonna pause pause it it now yeah that seems so strange
1: there's a lot of things that they need to sort out i think we need a bit of an overhaul and a simplification of the rule book
0: yeah yeah for sure but in order to kind of (laughs) sweep that all under the rug and forget about it uh formula one is back this weekend and we're hopping across the Belgian border and into the Netherlands, the home of Stroopwafels, Pjeneva, and the best sandwich I've ever eaten in my life. So I'm pretty excited about going to the Netherlands. (laughs) I wish I could go. (laughs)
1: I'm sure that's all anyone's going to be talking about, the sandwich that Owen had three years ago.
0: I actually... It came up in conversation the other week, and the place I had the sandwich is back on the menu. So if anyone uh, on the way to... The Dutch Grand Prix stops off at Rotterdam. You can get a sandwich from Baker and Moore that will blow your mind.
1: You're leaving everyone in suspense by just saying it's a sandwich. What is in this sandwich? What made it so good?
0: So it was like toasted sourdough and then truffle mayo, avocado, chicken, uh, pine nuts, and then like aged Rotterdam cheese. Wow. Still have dreams about it.
1: Thank you for joining us this week. <laughs> we now become a sandwich podcast.
0: I would happily do a sandwich podcast.
1: Okay, well, that's two spin-offs we've already created in the space of 5
0: minutes. A Dutch one, Dutch Friday Formula and mm. best race location sandwiches, I guess. Oh, just
1: just sandwiches in general.
0: As this is going to be the first Dutch Grand Prix since 1985. We thought it would be kind of a good opportunity to look ahead to the weekend, look back on how far Formula One has come since 1985 and kind of the things to look out for at the Zandvoort circuit, which has all been kind of revamped. And we've got these big banked corners that are kind of the big talking point going into the weekend. They look almost like the kind of things you expect on like an oval circuit for IndyCar or NASCAR. How do you feel like the bagged corners are going to impact the racing on?
1: So impacting, I mean, they look cool. They'll be cool to drive. I think the one at turn 15 is like 18 degrees, which is, doesn't sound like a lot, but for these mostly, you know, flat circuits that you get in Formula One nowadays, um, it will be cool. It'll be wicked to see them kind of full throttle through there. In terms of how it will impact the racing, I think it will have a negative effect. Okay. I think if they were if they were flat corners you've got more chance of actually taking someone on there. It becomes a lot more risky to overtake on a bank corner. Yeah. You don't know kind of where they're going to go there's a lot more chance of an oversteer moment. How about yourself are you looking forward to it? Do you think it will make a difference at all?
0: Don't know because like the whole advantage of them is that you can carry more speed into the corners. So I wonder if there's a risk that the Maybe the slightly draggier cars that don't have quite a high top speed. It's maybe going to impact them a bit more. But it's going to make it a spectacle, but it's maybe not going to be like the racing spectacle that people expect. I'm quite excited about it, but I'm kind of withholding a lot of judgment because it's the Netherlands. It's the home of my favorite sandwich.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I think the corner and the circuit will actually come second to the atmosphere this weekend i think it's going to be off that off the scale yeah and should max win i think there's going to be a lot of dutch people that aren't seeing again after this race
0: yeah especially off the back of like uh, i mean obviously this year belgium was a bit of a, a washout but that's always been kind of seen as almost his home race So to have these two home races back to back and then Austria, which is like Red Bull's home race is the driver with like the most, most fans following him around to all his different home races, isn't
1: he? Yeah. I don't really know where this, where the passion has come from. From, No. You know, you don't get the same for Lance Stroll or for, I'm trying to think, you know, Antonio Giovinazzi. The only other one I can think of that's similar is Robert Kubica. Yeah. When he returned, to Formula One in twenty nineteen, viewing figures in Poland for Formula One races went up two hundred and sixty three percent.
0: Wow, yeah, that's mad. I mean, this must be why people are clamoring to get Nick de Vries on their team up the Dutch. You think so? To get the following, yeah. Uh, but so to to give a little background on the Dutch Grand Prix, uh, the first event in the Netherlands was in nineteen fifty two, uh, and it was. Around the Zandvoort circuit, it's undergone quite a lot of changes and stuff since then. Uh, At the time, it was a 2.6 mile circuit that was supposedly comprised mostly of high-speed corners that could be taken almost flat out. So it kind of looked a little bit... It was like a big bulbous oval with like a little tail at the bottom. That's what it used to look like, and that first race was won by Ascari for Ferrari. I found out a weird little fact that It was part of the Formula One Drivers' Championship, this race, but it ran to F2 regulations, which I found interesting because, A, I didn't realise Formula Two existed in 1952, and then no matter how hard I tried, I couldn't really find anything out about what the difference was between Formula One and Formula Two rules in the 50s, and also why was it a Formula Two race, but also a Formula One one race at the same time?
1: Well, I can answer the last one, because... They did a lot of um, races back then that were part of multiple championships, didn't they? So like the Indy 500 was an F1 race. Mm-hmm. So I think it could cross okay. between the two. Um, I do think, I think Formula 2 means a different thing to what it meant, what it means now.
0: Yeah, I don't think it was quite the kind of feeder series that we think of it, that we see it as today. Yeah. The races took place in 52 and then uh, 53 as well before The Netherlands took a few years off the calendar. It then became like a staple between 1958 and 1985, when it kind of undertook the guise of both the Netherlands Grand Prix and the European Grand Prix, so it kind of cropped up quite a lot. There were quite a few repeat winners over the years. Jim Clark won four times. Jackie Stewart and Nicky Lauda both won it three times, and... Ascari, James Hunt, and Alan Prost all won it twice. So, there's been some big names victorious around the circuit. It's an event that I didn't realise had quite as much history. I sort of thought it was one nerd. Only been on the calendar a couple of times so to see that it had a solid like almost 30 years on the calendar. is pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I find it funny because it feels like it's a brand new race mm-hmm. because we haven't seen well, you know, like Kimi Räikkönen hasn't raced there, so it must be old, right?
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but even like through the 90s, you have, wouldn't have had Damon Hill race there or anything. Like, And it kind of is a new race because it's going to be completely different to what it was like back then. Yeah. But then, yeah, there is a rich history to it. And then that kind of answers the question that we were just saying earlier in why are Dutch people so passionate about F1? Well, they had a, a race for 30 years. Like it, it, is, it, it is part of the, the sporting culture of the country.
0: Yeah. So, the, the last time we raced around Zanborn was in 1985. Um, that sounds like it was quite a mad race. Nicky Lauda won from 10th, which is not something we see very often these days. Uh, and he was just ahead of Alain Prost, his McLaren teammate. And the two McLarens were 48 seconds ahead of the third place finisher, even though yes. Lauda had started in 10th. So, what happened? I don't know. That's a stonking lead to have carved out. And it was Senna yeah. in the Lotus in third, so not exactly a slow driver. Crikey. The uh, the fastest lap of that race was 1 minute 16.5. Okay. So, only marginally slower than uh, your race Ram Sambor.
1: But they're completely different circuits. <laughs> Um, And that was, I believe, Nicky Lauda's final F1 win. Oh, was it? 25th and final win before he retired. Wow. So there's even more history. Yeah.
0: Well, it's got everything. I've uh, I've dug out a few stats of uh, comparing Formula One in 1985 to Formula One in 2021.
1: So okay.
0: To, to start with, let's go with how many drivers do you think were alive in 1985? Well, when we ran the Dutch Grand Prix in 1985.
1: How many drivers from this from the current grid? Grid, yeah. okay. Because oh, I was like, well, if they were driving, we'll them. <laughs> yeah, loads of them.
0: <laughs> How many drivers on the current Formula One grid were alive the last time the Dutch Grand Prix ran?
1: Okay, so nineteen eighty-five. There'll be thirty-six. So you've got Kimi, Fernando, Lewis. I don't think Seb. I don't think Seb's old enough. Seb is younger, younger than Lewis, and I think Lewis is about 36.
0: You're going with three?
1: Yeah, I'm going Lewis, Kimi, and Fernando.
0: That is correct. Uh, Lewis was born on the 7th of January 1985, and it's 36. Uh, Fernando, 29th of July 1981, and it's 39. Kimi Raikkonen, 17th of October 1979, and he's
1: 41. Yeah, Kimi Raikkonen was alive before Formula One.
0: So they're the only three that uh, were alive the last time we went there. Okay, next one. World champion in 1985. Do you know who that was? Prost. Correct.
1: That's just because I've watched that Sebastian Vettel video of him reciting all the words. Oh, yeah. It's insane. I've just watched that five times.
0: (laughs) Is that so you can also remember them?
1: Yeah, it's working, clearly.
0: What about the fastest the top speed of a Formula One car in 1985. So it was 259 kilometres an hour, and it was set at Silverstone. Do you want to see if you can guess what team it was? McLaren. It was Keke Rosberg for Williams. Oh! Apparently that speed, that top speed, stood for nine years. Really? Yeah.
1: Well, I think the top speed now...
0: rubber. Sorry. Will, what team do you think has the top speed now?
1: (laughs) I think officially.
0: The speed I have recorded was set during the Spanish Grand Prix this year. Oh. So the top speed of a car this year.
1: What is the top speed of a car this year?
0: Yeah. Well, no, what team is the fastest this year, according to this Uh, fact that I have? (laughs) Alpine. It was Aston Martin. Ooh. Lance Stroll is currently the fastest man on the grid.
1: I was not expecting that.
0: No, I wasn't either. Especially because they're one of the ones that seems to have been hit the most by the changing rules this year. Yeah. But maybe they just got a good gust behind them or something. <laughs> but who knows? I
1: think the one of the ones that I know is like the highest... Average speed of a lap, Hmm. I think, is one Pablo Montoya Monza in like 2004.
0: Yeah. Yeah, some 2004 or five times did come up as being some of the quickest. Yeah. So I can kind of agree with that. Um, The other stats I've got for you were some fastest laps. Uh, These, I'd be very impressed if you got these in question forms. I'll just tell you. Uh, <laughs> I was thinking circuits that haven't changed much since '85. Originally, mm-hmm. I was like looking through like Silverstone and Spa and stuff, but they've both undergone a fair few changes. So I've got you the Monaco fastest lap in 1985 was Albaresco in a Ferrari. Okay,
1: let me let me guess, let me guess, let me guess. Okay, one twenty two, <laughs> one twenty
0: two point <laughs> six four. Yes. What about Monaco in 2021? Who set the fastest lap this year?
1: Um, was well, Verstappen, surely.
0: It was Lewis Hamilton. Ah, one minute twelve point nine
1: one. So okay. we've
0: got ten seconds off a lap around Monaco in thirty-six years. It's Progress. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then the other one I got was Imola, which uh, we've kind of talked on the podcast before about how the circuit has gone through a fair few changes over the years, but the 85 time was one minute 30. And that was also set by Alvareto in a Ferrari. Do you remember who set the fastest lap this year in the wet?
1: That's going to be Lewis as well, isn't it? Because Correct. he through the field. Yeah.
0: <laughs> With a 116.7. So an even. So how, even
1: 15 seconds.
0: Yeah. Wow. So we have... Come on, quite a long way since the '80s, really, haven't we?
1: And I should hope so too. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot else that they have at their disposal. Not that Lewis Hamilton would have had it during a wet Imola, but you know, like DRS, yeah. even at Monaco, that's got to buy you half a second a lap.
0: Yeah, yeah. And like the stickier tires I mean you can take the tighter line, so much more downforce, engines more powerful. Yeah. So there has been a lot of lot of growth since the '80s. Yeah, that was my little uh, 85 versus 2021 game. I enjoyed it. I liked looking into it. It was good fun.
1: Can I, can I quiz you on something? Yeah, go for it. What do you think was number one in the charts the last time we raced at the Dutch Grand Prix?
0: Number one in the Dutch charts or number one in the UK charts?
1: <laughs> I mean, I'll be super impressed if you can get the Dutch chart.
0: 85.
1: 25th of August, 1985. I don't know if it's any good yet or not but we'll find
0: out. Um 85. Now I feel like Let's Dance came out in 85 but it might have been 87. So I'm going to go with Modern Love by David Bowie.
1: So Let's Dance came out in 83.
0: Ah, oh, never mind then. But was Modern Love still number 1 then?
1: <laughs> Two years. Uh, it was I Got You Babe by UB40 and Chrissy Hind.
0: Oh. A banger.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, we said we weren't going to do winner predictions. didn't? Or we said that we hadn't. But one of my predictions for this weekend is who's going to win.
0: Yeah, that's fine. That's allowed.
1: Uh, Lewis. Yeah? I think Lewis is going to break Dutch hearts and, like, going to need all of the security to leave the circuit, I think, I think he'll do it on pure pace. I think it would be really disappointing for, yeah. for Max and the Dutch fans.
0: Even though, like, the Red Bull seems to be the faster car and it seems like a fast circuit.
1: But, there are rumours that Red Bull and Ferrari think that the Mercedes has found pace over the summer break.
0: Ah, uh, okay. Fair enough.
1: And I think that might come to fruition this weekend.
0: Yeah. Well, one of, one of my predictions was that Max would get pole but wouldn't win. Ooh. I don't know why he won't win, but I just feel like there'll be like a Red Bull mishap or something.
1: Yeah. So I, I had turn one chaos.
0: It's quite a tight turn, There's isn't one. it? Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think, I think that will be one of the only opportunities for someone to make a move. Yeah. Or make up a load of places because it's just going to be so difficult. But yeah, there... Red Bull could slip up.
0: Is there going to be lots of fans sat around turn one? Like, it looks like it'd be a good spot for grandstands, or are they a bit more spread out?
1: Yeah, I think there's usually one kind of around. I think it's Tarzan Bocht, is what it's called.
0: Yeah, I did see one of them was called Tarzan.
1: Yeah. Um, and I think there's a grandstand there.
0: Yeah. Oh, so the flares will all block everyone's view and everyone will crash into each other. Fingers crossed. <laughs> I did see someone say that they predicted that there were going to be so many flares that a session was going to be interrupted
1: oh apparently they've been banned though
0: oh good because they seem very risky
1: yeah and there was also a um a court case in the netherlands that passed yesterday that confirmed the grand prix could go ahead an environmental group took the grand prix to court to say that they hadn't done enough or whatever Mm -hmm. And I think because it's on the beach and there's a lot of fauna around, oh, so for environmental reasons, there are certain things they're not allowed to do.
0: Ah, well, that's good. Yeah, it's quite cool that it's a basically a race on the beach. Yeah, really cool. Stick some sand on the on the track. Oh yeah, that sounds like a good <laughs> into a rally, Formula One rally. <laughs> <laughs> on the on the kind of subject of the orange flares and things, one of my predictions is that Lando or Danny are going to make a joke that all the orange fans are there for them. Think that's going to happen.
1: Oh, I feel like they've already made it. <laughs> it's
0: a safe <laughs> prediction. That's why.
1: <laughs> My final one was that there are going to be three safety
0: cars. Three. Ooh. Uh. Kind of on the subject, not subject, but kind of related point. In IndyCar, on the banked corners, they have like a, a three wide, no more than three wide around the corners. I think, don't they? Do you think? Are we going to see Formula One cars going a few wide on the banked corners, or do you think that's what's going to bring out the safety car? Is that why you're thinking? Three safety
1: cars. Yeah, I think no chance. I don't think you. Would, I don't. I don't think you can fit three cars wide on that no. on that bank. <laughs> I'll be very impressed if someone pulls off a move on that bank corner. Yeah,
0: it would be cool. It, it, yeah, it'd be very cool. My final prediction was Ferrari on the podium.
1: Ooh. Hmm. Yeah, I think that's the spiciest of them all.
0: It probably would need three safety cars and a load of other madness for it to happen. But
1: Trust in yeah. Charles.
0: Yeah. Uh, it was Carlos's birthday on Wednesday, so maybe he'll be spurred on. Although it was Bottas's birthday yeah, that, last week. and Yeah, that really uh, worked <laughs> for Bottas. <laughs> <doesn't it? laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'm hoping... I mean, I feel like I was this excited going into Spa and Spa ended up being rubbish. Yeah. I'm hoping it's quite a good one. And like when we went to new tracks last year, that we've been to again this year, they turned up some quite exciting racing. So hopefully, hopefully it's good. Maybe
1: Fingers crossed. Let's see what happens. I hope it's not a case of not living up to the hype because Mm -hmm. there's been a lot of hype about it.
0: Yeah. Especially because we've Um, been basically waiting an extra year because it was meant to be May 2020, wasn't it?
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, even so, at least it's not very long until the next race, which is Monza, and that never disappoints.
0: Yeah. That's where we'll get a Ferrari on the podium as well.
1: Oh, could you imagine? Could you imagine? (laughs) Mm. I
0: don't know why I've suddenly turned into such a Ferrari fanboy. I think it's the red headphones.
1: (laughs) I'll send you a hat.
0: Excellent. But so the, the other kind of announcement that's come out this week is that Kimi Raikkonen 41 year old Kimi Raikkonen is going to be departing formula 1 at the end of the year were you kind of shocked by this news when it came out
1: no <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah i think we've both quite often said it's time for him to go
1: yeah well we were on the call when we saw that uh, he'd announced he was retiring and it was just a case of oh yeah that makes sense <laughs> yeah we were um, like
0: yep. Yeah. Get it? Sound?
1: The, the theory is that he's the cork in the bottle, though. Because the reason Russell and Bottas haven't announced their moves is because they didn't want to announce Bottas going to Alpha until Kimi had gone, and then they can announce Russell going to Mercedes, and then they can announce whatever they're doing with that Williams seat. Yeah. So I don't know if it will happen. I mean, this, this might come out, and we have the news already, um, but do we want to do we want to predict then who's going to be in the Alpha and the Williams seats? Because there's been some crazy rumors flying yeah. around.
0: Yeah. Just just before we do, do you think so? Obviously, they've announced Kimi on the Wednesday. Well, Kimi's announced he's leaving on the Wednesday. Do you think teams give him Thursday press conference to have his time to say goodbye and stuff, and we'll not get another announcement until like next Wednesday when the next press conference is. Or is that not something teams consider, like how much press time they can get from an announcement?
1: Oh, I think they will absolutely consider that. Yeah. But then it just depends on what their strategy is. Like last year, Haas decided to announce that Grosjean and Magnussen were leaving on the same day. But then I also, you know, we don't know if the decision's been made about Giovannazzi's seat no, either.
0: No, for sure. Yeah, because like if you were to completely refresh your driver lineup. You could have four announcements and four different page lead stories out of it. Yeah. Which...
1: And but there's there's you know, like we're saying it's the cork in the bottle, there's also a lot of pressure from two other teams here for Alfa Romeo to announce it because there's nothing stopping Williams saying, We've signed Alex Albon for twenty twenty two and not announcing that George Russell is leaving yet.
0: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's the one that's kind of been doing the rounds this week, isn't it? Albon to Williams, which I find very unexpected and a bit out of the blue. Because he's a Red Bull driver and Williams has kind of a technical partnership with Mercedes. And Alex has been in a test and development role at Red Bull. So why would he then go to a Mercedes team with all that knowledge? Yeah. He's a very quick driver. I'm sure Williams would be happy to have him. Do you see that one
1: coming true? I I have no idea. It just
0: seems so out of the blue, doesn't it?
1: Yeah, I mean, so I got into a a real quagmire earlier looking at old articles on the F1 news page. And one of the ones I read was from January 2020. And it was like, oh, it's been a crazy few weeks with everyone talking about whether Lewis Hamilton's going to go to Ferrari. And I was like, you just can't trust any of these rumours because they never come true. Uh, I still think it's more plausible that it's going to be one of the Mercedes drivers, be it be it De Vries or Van Dorn.
0: Yeah. It's not Bottas. Bottas back to Williams.
1: No, for some reason, the Bottas set alpha one seems to be the one that's
0: stuck. Yeah. I guess maybe it's time to like step into like a new manufacturer. Yeah. Because like he's always driven with Mercedes power. And maybe he's just had enough of being a number two. He wants to. Maybe
1: it's time to see how good he really is.
0: Yeah, maybe.
1: What do you think is going to happen to the second alpha seat?
0: I really want it to be someone new. Uh, maybe like Kalamaylar, that would be cool. But I've seen like an increase in number of publications and writers saying that it is still going to be Jovenazzi.
1: That's a shame.
0: Yeah, and like he has done alright this year but he's had like three seasons of just being alright and like, I understand the team have made mistakes and stuff as well but when it is such a small grid and you've got so many young drivers in F2 and out of F2 that need seats kind of bring someone else in
1: Yes, it's fascinating that Sauber haven't got fed up with it. Yeah. And just sought to find someone else.
0: Because supposedly it doesn't need to be a Ferrari Academy driver anymore. They've like cut that tie and it can be whoever they want.
1: Well, don't they have their own Academy, the Sauber Academy? I don't know. Uh, they do. So Sauber Academy drivers include Teo Polcher mm-hmm. uh, and then three people I've never heard of oh. uh, Emerson Fittipaldi Jr. Oh, yeah who is fourteen years old.
0: Maybe not quite him just yet then.
1: No. A Carter from the Czech Republic and Dexter Patterson.
0: Ooh, that is a good one. Who is Scottish.
1: Name. Yeah, Dexter. eighteen. Um but maybe they're waiting for Teo Polcher to come of age a little bit. Yeah, maybe. Um there's a lot of hype around him, isn't there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing with Joe Venazi staying is that quite a few Teams, with the whole change in regs, maybe having a stable driver is a good thing to have. But like, is a stable, like if they did switch to Bottas and Giovinazzi, surely Bottas is going to be able to give just as much feedback and advice, if not more, than a stable Giovinazzi that's been there three years.
1: Yeah, you think so. You'd think even if they have got free reign to get whoever they want in, they'd have more use out of someone like Alex Albon, Mm. who has raced for Red Bull and can give good feedback and has been driving a Red Bull for two years now
0: Yeah.
1: and can give them feedback about how they work.
0: Yeah. I kind of hope it all comes out in the next like two weeks, because this is something we've been talking about for like a year and a half now. Yeah. So hopefully this is finally going to be the end. That's why, mostly, why I wanted to be George Russell to Mercedes, just so we stop saying when it's George Russell going to Mercedes. <laughs> uh, it will happen, hopefully. Hopefully.
1: I'm I'm just incredibly grateful that he technically got his first podium before he got it with Mercedes.
0: Yeah. I still am very undecided about whether or not I'm happy that they awarded the podium, but he look it was nice seeing him so happy.
1: I think award the podium, don't award the points
0: Yeah Do it like they did with the sprint Where it was like three, two, one points For 1st, 2nd, 3rd As if it was just points for qualifying Yeah yeah.
1: And also I mean this is probably a whole other podcast Let's start awarding points for qualifying That'll be fun
0: Yeah well, They do in uh, Formula E don't they Get points yeah. for Super Bowl Yeah So that was our thoughts on the potential 2022 driver lineups, the Dutch Grand Prix and the kind of predictions we've got for all the racing action we might see. Uh, What would you like to see happen during this weekend's race? We would love to hear your thoughts for the incoming event. You can let us know on Twitter. You can reach out to the show at Friday Formula or each of us individually. I am at Owen underscore Bellwood and Will, you are
1: at Will Longman.
0: If you would like to get a little insight into what it's like doing a lap of the Zandvoort Circuit, Will has skillfully driven, uh, driven his way round the uh, the course to kind of give us an insight, <laughs> insight into what we can expect from the weekend. So if you head to the YouTube link in the description, you can watch that there, as well as finding a host of other videos of past episodes, little shorts of our reviews of races and whatnot. We will be back next Friday with another episode where we will, fingers crossed, have some very exciting one-sentence reviews of all of the race in action. So to be updated on when that's out, don't forget to rate, review and subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. Bye.